you're setting the standards too high on the fireworks. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Although there was one incident when I was a kid that the police got called, but over homemade fireworks. It's funny how, like when we're kids, we do crazy things. And when I was a kid, I, I, um, my, my neighbor and I decided we wanted to make some homemade fireworks. And, um, and you know, times have changed. I think today we'd be considered domestic terrorists. But uh, back then it was like, man, kids having fun, you know? And so we made some homemade fireworks. People got a little disturbed. They called the police. And there was lots of police and fire trucks and, you know, stern talking too, and um, along with some other stuff. And, uh, but, you know, it's funny how uh, my friendship from then actually... Um, uh, over time, you know how friends can kind of come and go out of your life, right? You have relationships that can kind of come and go out of your life. And, and there's those friends that, that you get to connect with that, um, like, have you ever been those friends where, where, like, you don't talk to them for, like, two, three, four years, and you have one conversation, and you just, like, picked up right where you left off again? It's, isn't that amazing? And there's other people that if you have a, a conversation with them a couple of years later, it's almost like they're complete strangers. How do you quantify that? I had a friend in high school, he, um, he uh, rebuilt a, he had a Ford Mustang GT, it was 1967, it was a sweet car, and, uh, and over the summer he was rebuilding the engine on it, occasionally I would go over and help, um, I really should get zero credit for the work that was done on that car, he did 99.9% of it, but I like to tell the story like I helped him rebuild his engine, and, um, and so we, you know, we went and did that thing, and we had just a great time, but, and during that summer, and then the last ne- next year was our senior year of high school, and then after high school we went our separate ways. And then the, the friendship just drifted, didn't it? It was like, wow, this amazing epic summer, and then all of a sudden, like, just gone. Isn't it weird how relationships can be that way? Some of them, like, you just get right to it. Some of them, don't. how do you quantify it? How do you quantify relationships and the strength of relationships? You know what I want? I want a formula. Can we have a formula? Because that would be really helpful for me. Because then I could know X amount of hangouts, X amount of this plus this equals solid friendship. Even better than that. How about a, a marriage relationship? How do you have a formula? I, I'm thinking that if I had a formula for marriage that would work, it would go something like, like I do the dishes two times per month plus flowers once a quarter plus empty trash once a week equals happy wife. Happy wife, right? Is that, does that work? No. It, the wives are like, if only, if only. No, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't work like that, does it? It's not a formula. In fact, if you try to formulize an, a, a relationship, well, I've done this and this and this for you. Why aren't you happy? It doesn't work, does it? In fact, if you bring that up, especially in a marriage relationship, how much you've done, they can easily bring up how much you haven't done, can't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah sure, you did those nice things, but what about all these other things? And if we try to break relationships down into a formula, we will always be frustrated. Every single time. It's just going to be frustration every single time, which is why relationships can't be formulized. It can't be a pattern. It can't be something that we we input X and Y and get Z. Every engineer in the room is like, I wish. I wish it could just be a math equation that would make relationships work. But it isn't what it is. There's something else to it. And this is important. Because it's hard to measure a relationship, especially a relationship with God. How do you measure that? Well, God, I did 7.2 minutes of quiet time per day, uh, seven days a week on average. Um, I've calculated it out. I've read 34 and a half verses per day on average. And um, I said the Lord's Prayer every other week. And I did this and I did that. And I, and I served the poor and I put money in the church plate. And I, and I did this and I did this and did this. So God, our relationships must be really good right now. It doesn't work like that, does it? Relationships don't work in formulas. 
So my hope today is that you'll leave inspired, ready to learn something. I want you to leave today inspired, ready to go on building a spiritual relationship that is something different than what a formula is. Because you see, a formula turns into religion. And that's what Jesus came to destroy. Not the only thing, but that was one of his missions on earth, was to destroy the systematic Box checking, religious check boxes, and, and, and like, oh, I went to church this Sunday, but I skipped that Sunday. Golly, I should go to church twice this week to make up for last week. Like, oh, I, I missed my, my Bible reading on Tuesday, so I'm going to read twice as long on Wednesday. As if God's up in heaven going like, uh-oh, you missed a day. Can we even be friends anymore? Right? Like, that isn't what's happening. He's, he's in a good relationship with God. Looks like you're able to pick up the phone and talk to him anytime, and it's like you just picked up where you left off. That, that's a good relationship, and that's what a good relationship with God looks like. He's not like, oh, you didn't talk to me yesterday. Now, please don't wait years between your conversations with the Lord. Um, that will ultimately lead in a bad relationship. But it's not a checklist. It's not a holding each other accountable to a formula. So the Bible has a lot to say about this, and, and today we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. If you have your Bible with you. You can have open up to Hebrews chapter 5. We're in the middle of a series in the book of Hebrews. So we're going chapter by chapter by chapter through the book. One chapter per week is what we're doing. And um, for, the, for the purists out there, if there are any, and you're like, why, like, how can you do a whole chapter in one week? We can't. It's impossible. There's so much content in every single one of those chapters. Can I tell you that it, it was a formula that got us here? I was like, we're going to do a book of the Bible over the summer. And I was like, there's 13 chapters in Hebrews, and there's 13 weeks in the, in the summer. Money. Like, this is what we're doing. Like, it was like, and I love Hebrews, so let's go to the book of Hebrews. And so that's why we expect it. We thought, let's just go this way. And so what we've been doing every week is uh, we have been going chapter by chapter and finding a highlight, something in that chapter that is something that we can study and apply. How many of you guys enjoyed Jeff's sermon last week? He did a great job, didn't he? Fantastic. And so, um, so anyhow, uh, yeah, so we did last week. This week, it's uh, me and Hebrews chapter 5. Um, throughout the summer, we actually have a few other people coming and, and speaking on the book of Hebrews, um, and you'll be surprised. And, and so in Hebrews chapter 5, if you start in the beginning, the first 10 verses are actually kind of a, a continuation from last week, from, chap- from the previous chapter in the Bible. And it says, it's basically saying like there is a, a function of high priest is to offer sacrifices for sin. Right? So, so in, in the tradition of the, the Jewish tradition, what, what, what they would have is they had a high priest that would offer the sacrifices for sin for people in the camp. So if you, were, if you had sin in your life, you would bring it to the priest. The priest was the mediator between you and God because obviously you and I have issues. And so, and so God set this system up. And so people bring in their stuff to the high priest. High priest would then make the sacrifice for you. That was the pattern that was going on. And so that was the function of the high priest. And, and, and in the first few verses, it talks about the qualifications of the high priest. And, and it talks about like, well, the, they got to be gentle and understanding of people. they got to be appointed by God, uh, not, not by himself. Well, guess what? Jesus has those qualifications. And so Jesus is establishing over the last chapter and the beginning of this chapter, it's establishing how Jesus is our high priest Jesus, the Son of God, is a high priest, so he's the one that's, that's there that allows for us to have a relationship with God, have access to God directly through Jesus. We don't have to go through another man or another person. You don't have to pray to a saint to hope that saint prays to God for you. You don't have to pray through anything else. You actually have the ability to access the Almighty God on your own, right through the blood of Jesus, because of what Jesus did on the cross. That is actually the earth-shattering change that Jesus brought. 
Because he came from heaven to earth and he died on the cross. He paid the price for my sin and your sin, both for, for today and for eternity. Which, which means the, the sin that we have that once separated us from God now allows us to be in relationship with God because of what Jesus did. It's unbelievable. Every other religion in the world, you have to do more to hopefully earn enough like, points in the system to be able to have some sort of connection to, to, to get better in life. And, and, and except for Christianity. Jesus came from heaven to earth. God sent his own son, and he paid the price for all of it. It's the only, it's the only faith where we're not trying to pay a price. We're not trying to build something with our own power. We're not trying to earn our way into one thing and earn our way into another. Jesus already paid the price. That right there is good news. It's good news. It's freeing. It's freedom. So Jesus has these qualifications. He was appointed by God. He shared human sufferings so that Jesus can now perform the functions of the high priest. So he's a high priest. The priests were chosen from men to represent men to God. Because Jesus came, from earth, came to earth as a man, he was qualified to become a priest. So no one chooses this for himself. Only God appoints the person. And it says in there that God chose him in the order of Melchizedek. In fact, in a couple more chapters, we'll figure out what all that means. Because it goes a little deeper into Melchizedek. But Jesus was the last high priest because he made the final sacrifice that was needed. There's no more sacrifice needed. He already paid the price for each and every one of us. So here we are. We're going to dive a little deeper into, into Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. It says, about this, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Whoa. Dull of hearing? Bro, like that's kind of rough, isn't it? In fact, some, some translations, you'll see it translated slightly differently. And, and so it's interesting. It says dull of hearing. It's kind of insulting. I have to explain it to you because it's dull of hearing. Some say slow to understand. Like they're literally saying, like, we have a lot to say, and it's hard to explain it to you because you don't understand the words that are coming out of my mouth. Like, like, like they're literally trying to explain it, and we're like, huh? Like, that's what the, he's saying to his audience. You guys are not comprehending what I'm, like, you're not picking up what I'm putting down. And so some translations say dull of hearing or slow to understand. We don't want you to become lazy to one's ears. Or we don't want you to become still lazier than you are. Literally saying, we have become lazy and dull. And so we're trying to explain something to you, but you, the audience, are not getting it. Clearly, he's not writing a letter to this church. Because we have like the smartest people I know in here, right? We're bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, full of energy and optimism, aren't we? We're not dull in the hearing, but, but you know, for the sake of those other Christians out there, right? This obviously wasn't written to City Church because it would have had a different tone. Verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. Verse 13, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. Verse 14, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by a constant practice to distinguish good from evil. The message version says it so well, although it's a bit of a paraphrase, so 
I don't like to preach from it. It's fun as a reference because it puts it in kind of everyday language. The message version. By this time, you ought to be teachers yourselves. Yet here I find you need someone to sit down with you and go over the basics on God again. Starting from square one. Baby's milk. When you should have been on solid food long ago. Milk is for beginners. Inexperienced in God's ways. Solid food is for mature who have some practice in telling right from wrong. He's referring to an unweaned child. And he's writing this letter to a church who's dull of hearing. And he's writing and saying, you guys are constantly going for the milk, but you're missing out on the meat. You should be old enough now that you should want the meat. So this is an interesting concept. Occasionally, um, as a pastor, I get emails and letters and and it's fun. Those are fun sometimes. But can I, can I be honest? There's some that are like, well, pastor, you're just serving up milk and I need some meat. I need more meat on the table. Okay, I understand. I understand. We can find ourselves in that trap though, can't we? Can't we? Let's be honest. We ever find ourselves hungry for more? You ever find yourself like, what I'm doing isn't feeding myself spiritually enough? So, put it to you this way, if you only show up to, if you only open your Bible and study it on Sunday mornings at church, definitely, you're going to be hungry. If you only ate once a week, you'd be starving, right? You've got to feed yourself on a regular basis, both naturally, in the, you know, and also spiritually. The responsibility for, for you feeding is not dependent on your parent anymore. You are an adult. You are somebody who can feed yourself. When my children were little, when they were babies, they didn't even say anything. They just cried. What happened? You've, as a parent, you learn this cries because they're hurt. This cries because they're hungry. This cries because of this. This cries because of that. And you learn to hear the cries of hunger and you go, oh, I need to feed my child. They get a little bit older, then what? They can communicate a little bit more. They can say, this is what we want. And then you as the parent go and prepare that food and you feed it to your small child. They get a little bit older and they figure out a way that they can actually take cold cereal from the box, put it into a bowl, and get some milk in the bowl, some on the counter, and they can feed themselves. What are they feeding themselves? Not very good food, but something, right? Yeah, as a kid, you can probably eat some Fruit Loops and be okay with it. As an adult, I can't eat that kind of stuff anymore. And so, you know, it, but they start to feed themselves, right? They eat a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. As a child grows up a little bit further and a little bit further, now they're teenagers, my kids, I have some teenagers in the house. They make food at all hours of the day and night. They come in and they can microwave stuff. They are, they've figured out the hot pockets and the microwave really well. They can make their own food too. They can scramble eggs, they can uh, make French toast, they can, they can do other things with, with food. They can make their own macaroni and cheese. They can now make their own food as they're growing. It's a funny phenomenon as an adult with teenagers. I go to bed with food in my fridge and I come back and it's not there anymore. Because they found it in the middle of the night and ate it. Why? Because they're growing and they're starving and they must have the food. Instead of progress, spiritually mature. It talks about constant practice, right? If you want to be physically fit, you must have constant 
practice. You can't go to the gym religiously every month and expect to be physically fit. You can't go once a week and be physically fit. If you want to be physically fit, you need to go multiple times a week. And while you're there, you can't just stand on the treadmill. You must turn it on. And you must turn it on and put it at a pace that is going to challenge you. But I'm allergic to exercise. Every time I show up, I get heavy breathing and a little bit of sweats. And I think I'm having an allergic reaction. The verses were talking about distinguishing good from evil. How do you tell the difference? You know, you don't have to have a lot of practice in evil to understand what evil is. You can recognize it from afar. It's kind of like the fridge. Have you ever done this? You open up the fridge and you're like, I'm smelling it and something isn't right. You know there's something in this box that is not healthy. You know there's something that is spoiling, something that is wrong. And if you were to eat it, it'd probably make you sick. You don't know what it is off the top of your head right away. But you know there's an adventure before you to figure out what is going on in the fridge. Something doesn't smell right. It happens in life all the time. You ever been with somebody, a friend, a, co- a co-worker, a colleague? You've been in an environment out someplace and you're like, something doesn't smell right. I can feel it in my feelers that something is not right in the atmosphere where I'm at. Oftentimes, you're starting to discern something evil in the atmosphere or something going on around you that maybe you're not clued into what it is exactly, but you know that something's not right. Listen to that voice. That may be the voice of the Lord warning you to potentially step out of that situation or avoid it. Or maybe if it's in your home or in a different environment, it may be something that's prompting you to dive deeper to figure out what it is exactly that's wrong. Sometimes it's something with your kids or your family where you have the authority and responsibility to get involved and figure out what's wrong here. Something doesn't smell right. You don't have to know the intricacies of evil to know that something is wrong. So there's three things I think we could take away from here. Number one, following Jesus leads to deeper maturity. Christian maturity requires personal development. It requires personal development. It it must require something from us. A child expects to sit in a chair, have food prepared and set before them. That's what a child expects at home. As an adult, if you're hungry, you are going to have to go to the store, find the ingredients of the thing you would like to cook, possibly prepare in advance. Maybe once a week go shopping because you have a list of everything that you're cooking throughout the week. You got to go, you got to find, you got to get the ingredients. We hunt, we gather, we've got ingredients, you come back to the house. Now you must assemble these ingredients in the right way so you have something tasty to eat. The teenager can open the cabinets and pour a bowl of cereal. The teenager can microwave leftovers or grab a hot pocket and heat it up and eat it. But an adult, an adult has to be able to actually prepare real food and real meals. You see, if if our goal in life as believers is to become more and more like Jesus, that demands us to grow in what we're doing. If you're feeling like maybe you're a little hungry spiritually, I want to tell you that that is a good feeling. And I think the Lord is probably calling you to be able to start to feed yourself on a new level. To feed yourself on a new level. That's what the Bible is talking about here. The Bible is not saying, well, the preacher better preach a better sermon on Sundays. Hopefully I'm preaching a good enough sermon to inspire you to go and do something about it. 
But if the goal in our life is to become more like Jesus and live like Jesus and share his love, in order to become more like something, we must be around it more. If you want to be more like something, you have to spend more time with it. I tell my friends, my, my, my kids, that your friends are going to determine your future. Life is like an elevator. It's going, your friends are going to take you up or take you down. They're not going to leave you the same. Who's pushing the buttons? Where are your friends going? What's the people around you? Where are you headed in life? If you're hanging around people who are, are going in a wrong direction, guess what? You will eventually start to slide in that direction because they will have influence over you. So who do you spend time with? If you want to become more like Jesus, then you've got to spend more time with Jesus. So as we grow in our faith, it requires time and effort. It requires us to be able to grow a little more. I think it's the difference between knowing about God versus knowing God. I can know about somebody by reading their book. I can know about somebody by reading their memoirs. But you don't know that person. And I can read the Bible and know all about God, but if I'm not spending time with him, it's the difference between knowing about versus knowing. Spending time in his presence Praying, speaking, but also quieting yourself and listening and seeing what he might say back. Number two, following Jesus has potential distractions. Potential distractions. Maybe distraction of stunted growth. You're stuck in a rut, maybe. You're stuck at a level and you're like, I feel like I'm frustrated because I can't get past this level. I can't, I feel like, I, 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 I just... You ever get there, like a little angst, and, and, and you're like, I just, I'm stuck. My kids, are, when they were younger, were pickier eaters. The older they get, the less picky they are. In fact, my, when I was a child, we had a theory, because I, we didn't like Brussels sprouts as a kid, and we didn't like, you know, the things that were really healthy. My parents would make it for us, and we'd be like, this is gross, and uh, didn't want to eat it. Um, and then we learned that um, taste buds change over time because as you burn them off with hot coffee, they don't regrow. And so we figured out my parents have just had so much hot coffee and have burned so many taste buds off of their mouth, they enjoy the taste of Brussels sprouts and spinach. A child complains about the food on the table as an adult you go, into the, you go into the kitchen and make your own meal. You make what you want to eat. As a kid, you would never make Brussels sprouts, but as parents, we make Brussels sprouts. Smothered in bacon and bacon grease and cheese, and we bury them in everything we can bury them in so we don't have to taste it. So distracting Jesus, uh, following Jesus has potential distractions. Number one is you can get stunted in your growth. And you can be eating the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. And you, and you need to break out of the rut that you're in. Second distraction that I see is chasing spiritual revelation. Chasing spiritual revelation. This might step on toes. Sometimes we think new revelation is what I need. Oh, I've heard this before. So I, I, yeah, I mean... Pastor, I've already read Hebrews 5. I've heard this sermon 10 times from 10 different preachers in the course of the last 20 years of my life. I get it. Milk and meat. Blah, blah, blah. I need something new. I need some new revelation. 
And, and you, you find this in the Christian community. Like, let's be honest about it. We're chasing conferences. We're chasing speakers. There's some new prophet, some new something. They got a YouTube channel with videos. And they're on all the TV stations now. And, and they're like, oh, they're chasing new revelation. There's nothing wrong with those people. I'm not criticizing who they are. But I see this as a distraction sometimes inside of our, of our Christian community. Is that rather than eating the meat, we're chasing the fluffy stuff. And we're chasing the new revelation thinking that's what I need. Meat must be different than milk. If truth isn't different, then it isn't new. If it isn't new, then it isn't meat. Well, no. Flawed thinking there. Newness is not a requirement for meat. Meat's what you chew, not what's new. When you hear something that challenges you, do you go like, yeah, yeah, that's for somebody else. I need something different. Or do you get stuck there and start to really meditate on it? Um, I get stuck on stuff. What? The pastor? Get, I get stuck. I get stuck on stuff. You know, there's some meaty stuff in the scripture that I struggle with. You know, I, sometimes it's like, boy, should I even be ch chasing anything new because I can't even, like, eat what's been put in front of me? You know, like, really, really heavy. Like, this is really, like, where the rubber meets the road. This is where, like, your character is tested. Where the Lord works in ways in your soul. It's like, like love your neighbor as yourself. I'm still chewing on that one. Man, it's easy to love the people you like, huh? I didn't choose that person to be in my life. When I was a young man, I worked at a place. There was a guy named Dave. I won't say his last name in case he's here or online. <laughs> but Dave was a pain in my butt. I didn't like him. I used to come home and I'd be like, rah, 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 Dave this, Dave that. I complained to my friends about Dave. I'd tell my dad about Dave. And it took him a little while, you know, because my dad, he's so good, so patient. And he said, well, Matt, no matter where you go, there's going to be a Dave in your life. You should learn to deal with this Dave rather than have to deal with another one. The next one might be a little worse, you know. And, and I'd be like, oh, come on, you know. And sure enough, guess what? There's always a Dave in my life. There's always a somebody, whoever that name is in your life. There's always a somebody. Can you love your neighbor as yourself? Jesus defined your neighbor as anyone that you come in contact with. Huh. That means the guy driving down the road. That you maybe said some unfriendly words to, though they couldn't hear you. There may have been some um, sign language gestures involved. Maybe below the dash, and so they didn't pull out a gun and shoot you. That guy's your neighbor. Are you loving him like yourself? That annoying coworker. How about your ex-wife or ex-husband? If we're not careful, we can neglect the foundation. So distractions is, is we have stunted growth, chasing revelations, superiority complex. Sometimes we can think, well, we found the superior truth. I mean, clearly you found the superior church and everybody else is inferior, but amen, that's right. <laughs> But pride can take over. We can have a judgmental spirit sometimes. We can get to this place where we almost become holier than thou because we feel like we've learned so much and processed so much and we lose humility in the process. 
Maybe the meat of humility is what needs to be chewed on. Information versus application. One person's meat might be another person's milk. We're on different paths. We're running a race that God's called us to. Almost every sermon in every church will contain some milk and some meat. This sermon might be milk for you, but for others it might be meat. Just wait because next week's sermon might be the other way around. Do you ever have those Sundays and you walk out and you're like, man, the worship just hit me right where I needed it to be. Or the word just was exactly what I need. And there's some weeks you walk out and you're like, that was great. I got to see my friend. And then you come back a week later and then God hits you different. If you're reading your Bible and listening to teaching and you aren't being challenged in any way, I would dare to question that the problem is not the transmission, but the reception of God's word. And the amount of application is the difference. It's not how much you know. It's what you do with what you know. More inf- this world is so full of information. We all have a device in our pocket. We can pull up and get any information that we want in the world. But yet you look around the world and it doesn't seem to be getting to a better place, does it? The abundance of information is not the problem. It's the application of information that is the problem. If you're constantly chasing new information, new revelation, you're not becoming more Christ-like. See, God's purpose for you is to become more Christ-like, not, not fill your head with more information. At the gym, I know that bigger weights will build bigger muscles. And I know that eating ice cream will build a bigger waistline. I don't know how much of the Bible you know. In fact, I'm not concerned with how much of the Bible you know. I'm concerned with how much we apply. Are we applying what God has already spoken to us? Hebrews 5 is talking about this. Application makes the difference between milk and meat. If the band would come, we're going to close. It is not what men eat, but what they digest that makes them strong. It's not what we gain, but what we save that makes us rich. It's not what we read, but what we remember that makes us learned. It's not what we preach, but it's what we practice that makes us Christians. Are we putting it into practice? My third and final point is this. Following Jesus is a personal decision. Which means that relationship is greater than religion. What do we do when we feel a stall in our relationship? What do we do when we feel the, the rut happen? What, what, what does it look like? Oh, I got to make sure my formulas are right so that my relationship can get better. Well, I, I would say that maybe, maybe that's part of it. If you're spending zero time with the Lord, then yeah, you should increase that. You should be spending time with the Lord. But when you want to build a friendship with anybody whether it's another human in your life or, or, or your, your, your uh, spouse or a friend or a coworker, anytime you want to build an additional build a relationship with somebody, it means that, that, that you've got to spend time. It takes words, it takes actions. But I want to scale. I want data, I want percentages. 
I want, I, want, I want to stand on a scale and go, yes, I have lost eight pounds. And I got one of those fancy ones that does the beep, beep, beep and scans my body and says, here's the percentage of body fat that you have. Those are pretty cool. But I want data. I want data to measure. Am I making progress or am I not making progress? But if you try to formulize your relationship with God, you turn into religion and it becomes a checkbox if I did the right thing here and here and here. But that's not what God's asking for. He's asking for relationship. Jesus is greater because it's about the relationship more than the rules. You see, growth is a personal decision. We've all heard the milk of forgiveness. We know God's requirement. Well, why should we expect God's meat of peace in our life until we deal with the milk of forgiveness? Sometimes we're stuck on things and we're not like applying them and God, we want more, but it's like, God, but you haven't even like done the steps I'm asking you now. And we get so busy and so distracted and we can be chasing revelations and we can be chasing this and chasing that and then more information and, and more this and more that. And God's like, yeah, but you're still angry with your mom and like that's stopping you up and I'm asking you to do this. Sometimes the meat is applying what you already know. And we try to like run from it almost. So the milk and the meat is are you applying what God's already spoken to you? God has invited us to his dinner table. There will be some milk, there will be some meat. Sit down, try them all. You may well find the best meal you've ever shared in a relationship with God. So following Jesus is a personal decision. Jesus came to earth on a mission. And the story of the Bible is that God created man. We were separated by sin. And the price that Jesus paid built this bridge for us to be back in relationship with God again. So church, I want to encourage you, if you're far from God, maybe you're not following him now, this can be your opportunity to make that change and say, you know what? No, I want to follow Jesus. I want to get back into a relationship with him. For those of you that are Christians and have been following Jesus for maybe a short time or even a long time. My hope for you today is that you would go back and rekindle the relationship, not with rules and formulas and check boxes, but just go and spend time with the Lord. Carve out time, pray, listen to his voice. What is it that draws you closer to the Lord? Maybe do some more of that this week. For some of you, it's singing worship. Some of you, it's listening to worship. Some of you, it's studying God's word. For some of you, it's taking a walk in nature. Find yourself, put yourself in that place and just lean in and say, God, what do you have for me today? Open yourself up spiritually to say, God, I wanna hear your voice. I wanna hear from you. That's how relationships are formed and built. So don't make it a bunch of rules and religion. Make it a relationship and apply what he's taught you to apply. Will you bow your heads? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for all that you've done for us. God, we thank you for, for your work on the cross. God, as we actively pursue a relationship with you, God, allow us to, to chew on the meaty things that you put into us. God, God allow us to, to process what you've already given us. God, allow us to apply your word. God, we've learned so much about you, but God, allow us to start applying it in a healthy and a balanced way. 
If you're here this morning, whether you're in person or even if you're online, I want to invite you that today can be a day where you make a decision to follow Jesus. I'd like to say it's as easy as A, B, C. A is that you admit that you need a Savior. You admit that you are falling short of what God's standards are for your life. And and that's sometimes the biggest step. B is believe. Believe that Jesus is the the Son of God. He, He came to earth. He died for your sins. He paid the price and made a way for you to be in right relationship with God. So you admit that you need a Savior. B is you believe that Jesus is your Savior. see is that you, you claim you claim him as your Lord and Savior, is that you put him in charge of your life. It's not enough just to believe it, you have to actually apply it. And so if you're in that place, I would love for you to say a prayer. God, I admit that I need you. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and I confess you as the Lord and the Savior of my life. If you made that decision, we'd love to celebrate with you. For everybody else in the room, if you need prayer for any reason whatsoever, we believe in the power of prayer. We believe in, and we've seen miracles happen in our midst. We've seen all kinds of things happen in our church. And so our prayer teams are ready and they're fired up and they have a whole list of stuff they want to fired up and prayed about. Whether, whether you have something wrong with your back or, or whether you're dealing with emotional stuff or physical stuff or spiritual stuff, they want to stand with you in prayer. They're on either side of the auditorium. Will you stand with me? Let's, stand, let's sing one last song uh, before we leave this morning.